Y'all can be seated this morning. It's good to be together this morning. We are wrapping up our series today. It's a little sad, a little bittersweet on our uh, armor of God. We've been spending the last couple months in Ephesians chapter 6. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you came in midway or you, you know, it's the summer. So a lot of us, you know, we're traveling, coming and going or, you know, just not feeling uh, safe coming in person. So you have plans to watch online and then uh, the morning gets away from. If you've missed any Sunday, any, any week of this series, I just want to encourage you to go on our website and, and watch those weeks that you may have missed. And if you haven't missed a single one, I encourage you to go back and one, read through the scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, but also go and re-listen to some of these sermons because God's been speaking pretty awesome things and we don't want to just hear it one Sunday and then forget it the next. So if this has touched you, if this has ministered to you in any way, I just want to keep it fresh in you because we, we're going to need these truths beyond this Sunday, okay? We're going to need them next Sunday and, and the Sunday after that and the rest of this year and the rest of our lives, really. So get these truths, these armor of God planted in your heart and in your mind. So go back. That's why we put these sermons online, not just in case you missed it, so that you can listen again and be refreshed. And go, oh, yeah, that's right. I remembered that, but I forgot this other thing. Okay, so I just want to encourage you. I'll start with that. So um, let's go ahead and let's not waste any time. Jump right in. Ephesians chapter 6. This should be familiar with you all by now, but we're going to read it again anyway, starting in verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Okay, so we've come to the place in our study where we have on the full armor of God. We have the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield, the sword, our gospel shoes. We got it all, right? And we're ready to fight. All right, that's what we're thinking about. When we put on this armor, this is an armor that readies us for battle. Okay, it readies us to fight. But what Paul tells us before he even gets into the study of the armor, the reason why, if you go back to our very first week talking about this, the purpose of it is that we are up against powers and principalities. Not flesh and blood but powers and principalities that rule this dark world, okay? They are dark powers, dark principalities, and evil that we cannot fathom is what we are up against. So when we consider that we've put on these, all these armors, right, all these things of the armor of God, we want to go fight in the physical. But what Paul is telling us, this is not a physical fight, And so what we're supposed to do once we have put on this armor is not go find the enemy and try and punch him in the face, right? Almost which we love to do that. Our fight is on the battlefield of prayer. So we put on this armor and then what Paul tells us to do is, look, don't go go looking for some battlefield. Go pray. 
Now that you have equipped yourself, now that you understand what the belt of truth is and the breastplate of righteousness is and you have the shield and you have the word of God, the sword of spirit, and you have your gospel shoes on, you're planted firmly. Now the fight begins and it begins in prayer. That is where the battle is won. That is where the battle is fought, is on a battlefield of prayer. That's what all of this has been leading up to. All of it. And, you know, it's funny. Winston, Winston, this isn't funny. Winston Churchill said to Britain in the early days of the Second World War, he said, I must drop one word of caution. For next to cowardice and treachery, overconfidence leading to neglect and slothfulness is the worst of wartime crimes. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Next to cowardice and treachery, overconfidence leading to neglect and slothfulness is the worst of wartime crimes. When we are overconfident in ourselves and in our ability, we neglect prayer. When we put on this armor and we think ourselves something, and we look in the mirror and we're like, I got it. I've memorized all these verses. I've gone to church through this pandemic. What I've watched online every Sunday. I haven't missed. I got it. And we become overconfident in ourselves, in our abilities. We start to neglect the very thing that we need most. And that is prayer. We cannot neglect prayer. We cannot look past it. This is what it all is leading up to because, again, we're fighting powers and principalities. And that fight is fought on the battlefield of prayer. Okay? That is where we win. And if we look past it and we start trying to do things all on our own and trying to prove ourselves to God, which he never calls us to do, by the way, we're going to lose. I don't understand. I got the shield of faith. I got the helmet on. I got all this stuff. I don't understand. I'm trying to fight. Well, are you praying? Because that is what this is pointing us to. Paul says all this stuff. And then he tells us to pray. I read this commentary. It says the idea is all kinds of prayer or prayer upon prayer. We should use every kind of prayer we can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer. Fervent prayer. Just pray. All of it. All of it. Let's not get to a point where we think we can't pray because we don't have the words to pray. Actually, that's what we're talking about today. That's exactly what we're talking about today is not having the words to pray. And I love all those shouting. You know, there's times when we have to shout our prayers to God because what's in us, we can't just say quietly. God, I'm scared. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And there are times when, God, we just, we just need to be quiet. There's times when we need to call our friend. We have to tell our spouse, pray for our pastors, I need, I need you to pray for me. Because that's where the battle is won. It's all kinds of prayer. Prayer is not limited to one little thing. But there is something very specific that Paul talks about when he says to pray. And it is that prayer that we pray when we don't know what to say. He says in verse 18, and pray 
in the Spirit. And we're going to be talking about that this morning. Praying in the Spirit. About being baptized in the Spirit. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I don't, want, I don't want to just say, when you don't know what else to pray, pray in the Spirit. Because that's limiting it to where you get to your end. Right? We don't, we don't try everything else and then pray in the Spirit. Okay? We start by praying in the Spirit. We begin everything by praying in, if you don't know what I'm talking, I'm talking about praying in tongues. Praying with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And if this is new or familiar to you, we're going to talk about it this morning. I'm going to do my best to try and explain what it is. But I'm going to, I'm going to preface all this by saying this. Preaching on the power of the Holy Spirit is, for me, is two things. It's one of the most exciting things to preach about. And it's also the hardest for me. And I'm just being honest. Because it's one of those things that until you do it, you just don't get it. And I'm just going to put it out there. Until you do it, you don't get it. It's just one of those things. And we're going to look at Scripture. And we're going to see what God Himself talks about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, about praying in the Spirit and what it means. But to those of us, just, just to start, I believe all of us in here have gotten to a place, maybe you're in it right now, the last four months you've been in this place, where you're like, God, I don't know what else to pray. Or you wake up in the morning, you sit down, like, how many times do I have to pray this? I'm tired of, I'm, I'm honestly, God, tired of telling you this over and over again. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We say, I'm giving up my words, and I'm going to let your words speak through me. Amen? Okay. I'm a little fired up this morning, if you can't tell. John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's letting them know about what's to come. Starting in verse 1, he says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. He's talking about when he's going to leave and what's going to happen to them. He said, they will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, listen to these words from Jesus himself. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That is a bold, bold statement by the Son of God right there. But let's put in context again what he is talking about. He's talking to his disciples about when he's going to go. And up until this point, or up until he leaves, Jesus is the target. Right? He gets all of the attention, all of the focus is on him. And so though the disciples are with him and walking with him and seeing him do all these things, all the Pharisees are talking about is Jesus. They're not talking about Peter and John and Andrew and Philip and all the other disciples. All of their focus is on him. And what he's saying is, look, I'm going to go. And when I go, the focus is going to be on you. And it's going to be tough. Can you handle it? But then he says one of the most confounding, bizarre things ever. He says, better that I go. Better that I go. 
so that the Holy Spirit can come on me. And before we get to that, I just want to point something out very awesome in this. Because we can read this and go, oh, wow, yeah, Jesus was talking about right now, present day, where we're living in the world. But he wasn't. He was talking about right then and there for the disciples. And listen to what it says in verse 2. He says, The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And, and th this doesn't have a lot to do with what we're talking about today, but it's just such a cool thing that I, I didn't want to skip past it. He's talking about people that, are, that think that they're offering a service to God. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the Pharisees. And there's one specific person that comes to mind that he's talking about that I think is so cool. Because there was a guy, when the disciples started ministering and the church was launched, that thought he was doing a service to God by arresting Christians, by having them killed, hunting them down, and his name was Saul. And he thought he was doing a service to God by attacking Christians. But what we see in the life of Saul that we all need to understand here as Christians is that God has the final say. God has the final say. And he took this guy, by the way, who was rich and had esteem and was highly respected, stripped him down to even giving him a new name and turned him into Paul, who we have been studying about these last few weeks. And God had the final say with him. So... For those of us in here and those of us watching online, let's let God have the final say with those who are coming against the church and see how he can transform them. Let's not put ourselves in God's shoes and try to fight his battles for him. Imagine what would have happened if the church just tried to start attacking Paul like crazy. What would have happened? But let God have the final say. Jesus is talking about a guy and in his, the back of his mind is going, yeah, but we got you. We got a plan for you, Saul. We're going to use you in ways you never thought possible. Just a little tidbit there, okay? Verse, let's go back to verse 7, though. But, he says, some translations say, Nevertheless, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Nevertheless, despite all those things, despite the hardships that you're going to face, despite the trials, despite the attacks, despite that you're going to get kicked out of the synagogues, and people are going to try and attack you in the name of God, by the way. Forget about all that. Despite all that, it is better that I go. He says, very truly I tell you. You know, all Jesus does is speak truth. He doesn't know how to speak lies, right? He doesn't know how to, to tell untruths. So it's, when he says, very truly I tell you, it's, it's almost unnecessary. But what he's doing here is he's, he's saying, look at me, all right, look, hold on to this. I'm not pulling your leg. Very truly, I tell you, this is not a lie. This is the truth. Whether you can see it now or not, it is the truth. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. It doesn't make any sense. If I'm a disciple and I'm hearing that, I'm going, what are you talking about? It's for our good? It's better for us? It's better than feeding 5,000? It's better than us walking on water? It's better than you raising Lazarus from the dead and healing the lepers and letting the blind see and healing the lame? It's better than that? That doesn't make any sense. 
I don't get that. I don't understand. And what the disciples, what they were up against in this moment was releasing what they knew and trusting what they didn't understand yet. Because all they knew was Jesus. That was, that was Christianity to them. That was this new belief. Jesus in the physical, able to touch, seeing him do miracles. And now he's throwing this curveball saying, it's better if I go. But if you go, all those miracles stop. If you go, we're the target. If you go, this guy that we worship and love and has changed our lives is gone. So yeah, but if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come. And see, up until that moment, the disciples had been observers. They had been watching Jesus do all these miracles. And boy, were they amazing. But what Jesus is now saying is if, if once I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're not going to be observers anymore. You're going to get in the game. You're going to get in the game. And these things that you've been seeing me do, I'm going to start doing through you. And that's what it's all about. The Spirit empowers us to work on behalf of God. It's an awesome thing. And Jesus says himself, it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit, the helper, can come. I read this. It says, the dispensation of the Spirit is a more blessed manifestation of God than was even the bodily presence of the risen Savior. So the, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit is a better manifestation, more important, powerful manifestation of God than Jesus in the physical. It's amazing. That's incredible. So that's what Jesus says before his death, right? Let's see what he says after. So Jesus has, has died on the cross since reading this. He's risen from the dead, and now he's talking to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 when he's about to go up to heaven. And he, he kind of he doubles down on what he said before. Starting in verse 4, he says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Verse 5, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says here, he refers to the Holy Spirit as a gift. And here's the thing about gifts that God gives. God doesn't give bad gifts. You know, you can think back to Christmas morning or maybe your birthday and you got a gift and you had to do that face and that voice that we all know says, I don't like this. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Oh, that's great. I love it. Suddenly your, your voice kind of goes to a new octave. You have this fake smile on your face. You know what I'm talking about? Like, no, no, okay, just me. Um, well, we kind of we fake the appreciation of this gift that we've been given because it's not really us. It doesn't really suit us. It's not our style or we don't need it. It's not something we would ever use. And so because we don't want to offend the person that gave it to us, we kind of pretend that we like it, even though in our hearts we, we don't like it at all. And we're going... I hope I can return this. How, and as you're saying thank you in your head, you're going, how do I ask for the receipt without sounding offensive, you know? We never have to do that with the gifts that God gives. Never do we have to put on a fake smile 
and put on a fake voice to pretend that we like something that he's given us. Because when God gives a gift, it is a good gift. It is a gift that will blow us away to the point where we have no idea how amazing it really is. So when Jesus talks about this gift, it's a good gift. We need to understand about the Holy Spirit, whether you understand it or not. If it's a gift from God, it is good. And it is something that we need. And it is something that we will use and that is going to fit us perfectly. He also says that it's a gift that God has promised us. So God gives good gifts. And the other thing he does, he doesn't break promises. He does not break promises. When he promises us something, he comes through with it. So if he's promised the Holy Spirit, it's there for us. It's there. But like any gift, we have to take it, un unwrap it, and take it for ourselves. But it is not a bad gift. And it is there. His promises are true. And he does not break his promises. And it's interesting how Jesus kind of gives this warning. He says, look, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Why? Because until then, they won't, wouldn't receive the power. That's what he says in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the work is too, too big for you until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then get ready. But don't leave until then. Don't assume that you can do it until then. You might have on the armor, you might have heard all this stuff, but until you receive this power, you're not going to be able to do it. But don't worry, because my Father promised this gift to you, and it's coming. But don't think you can do it on your own in the flesh, because the battle is against powers and principalities. The battle is won through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. We're fighting powers and principalities. It's kind of spiritual realm, not to get too deep on it at all. But God has the Holy Spirit. So we have these dark powers, but there's the Holy Spirit. Just, just that whole clash to me is awesome. It's awesome to me. She says, don't go. Don't go until you have it, because the fight is real. Acts chapter 8 says, so now the new church is launched. Jesus has gone into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come down. And now we see, now we start to see the disciples and what's going on in the movement of the church. In, ver, in chapter 8, verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. So this guy Simon's watching goes, hey, how much is that going to cost? Listen, that's someone who didn't receive, that sees the power of it and wants it and thinks that he can buy it. That's, that's, that says something there. What it also says is, look, this is not a power that we can buy, that we can earn, that we can get by reading our Bible every day, by coming to church every Sunday, by giving our tithes every week. This is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is it. That is the only source. And let's not kid ourselves and insult God by thinking that it can come in any other way. It can't. 
It is through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit only. And listen to what it says in verse 15. It says, as soon as they arrive. So, so Peter, they hear that these, these, these people in Samaria have gotten saved. I'm like, oh, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go see them. So they go. And it says, as soon as they arrive, they didn't waste any time. They didn't let, you know, put out a nice little charcuterie board. Say, hey, how's it going? Let's catch up. Let's talk. What's been going on? Wow, your kids have grown so much. None of that. They, they waited for the pleasantries to happen after the business. And the business was baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. So we, we see here the importance that they put on it. They didn't go, oh, well, they're, they're saved. Cool, 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 cool. So we got to go. We got to go right now. We got to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. And then there's this crazy verse in the middle of this. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. And here's where it gets crazy. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. God says, this is his word. This is God's word. And he says that they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That word only there to me is huge. What a big word for God to explain the baptism of Jesus Christ. To say only. They had, what do you mean only? That's everything. That's the son of God you're talking about. That's him dying on the cross and being resurrected. That's, that's our ticket to heaven. That's our forgiveness. Isn't Jesus only? What do you mean only? Does God say only here to diminish or to trivialize anything that Jesus did? Not at all. What he is saying here is that as great as that is, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. There is so much more. There is so much more. It's not a slap in the face to Jesus' sacrifice. It's, it's a testament to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And look, we can walk this Christian walk having been baptized in the name of Jesus only. And we'll get to heaven and we'll experience God's grace and his mercy and salvation. But boy, there's a lot that we're not going to experience. And those aren't my words. That's God's words about himself. What he's telling us here is there is so much more. And right now in a world that is crazy, we need so much more. We need so much more. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And as the church is being built here by Peter and the disciples, they're running to people. They're saying, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. It's huge. It's huge. Acts chapter 10. A couple chapters later, even as Peter was saying these things, Sorry, I'm just kind of skipping around showing little different instances of, of, the, of what they think of the Holy Spirit here. So just kind of track with me. Starting in verse 44 of Acts 10. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out onto the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So here we, we see this eye-opening moment with the Jews again. That, wow, this Holy Spirit 
This isn't just for us. It's for all people. It's for all of us. It's not just for back then. It's for right now. It is for right now. If you haven't received the Holy Spirit, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, today is that day for you to do so. And don't kid yourself and think that it's for other people or this denomination or that belief or whatever. God is not a respecter of persons. He wants all of us. He sent Jesus to die so that we could receive him and so that all of us could be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just reserve part of himself for some people. Once we receive Jesus, that door is open. As his children, I mean, think about it. It would be like, let's go back to Christmas morning for a second. We receive Jesus. We are now adopted into his family. We are children of God. And we, we, we wake up on Christmas morning. And he says, okay, you three kids, y'all get the best presents. Y'all get the best, most awesome present. Y'all over here, you know, just play with some yarn. Does that sound like God? No, he gives freely to all of us as his children. The power of the Holy Spirit is for all people. Now let's go to Acts chapter 19. Starting in verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, remember that guy Paul who did things, remember? Took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the, come in, sorry, in, the, in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, end of story, right? Cool. No, it keeps going. Then when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So we see this progression here. Baptism in repentance. Baptism in Jesus. And the story doesn't end. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right? So it doesn't just end with Jesus. There is so much more of that. And we, there's this eagerness in the New Testament with the disciples and with Paul to say, no, there's, there's more. Wait, you know, you have, did you notice what his first question is? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Oh, so you were saved. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? The first question right out of, out of his mouth. Why? Because that was most important. Again, it's just like when, when Peter went to Samaria. As soon as he arrived, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for them to, re to receive the Holy Spirit. As soon as Paul hears that they're saved, the first question out of his mouth. Not, oh, how, how'd you do it? Tell me about it is, well, have you received the Holy Spirit? Right off the bat. You see the importance there. You see the weight of it there. I'll say this, look. Speaking in tongues, singing in the Spirit, things that we do here at Beaches Chapel, is never going to be normal. <laughs> it's never going to be normal. If you're waiting for it to like, just feel like normal conversation, you're going to be waiting a long time. It's different, okay? Elephant in the room. It's a little different. 
But I, I want to say this. Well, two things. One, if your walk with Jesus looks normal, even without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not probably doing it right. If, if you can camouflage your faith in the world right now, we might need to look at that too. So if the concern is looking normal, that should have been out the window a while ago. Because as soon as we start following Jesus, we automatically say, I'm in the minority. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Jesus himself said, look, the road to destruction, that's huge. The road to heaven, that's narrow. And so if we're trying to have a foot on both, it ain't going to work. So let's just not even, let's just throw the whole normal thing out the door. Because Jesus, right off the bat, shouldn't be normal in your life. And, and I, I'll be honest, as I've gotten older in my faith and my walk, I kind of wear that more as a badge now than I try and hide it. I really do. It's like, you know, I don't care. Like, I, got, I got my friends. I'm not trying to make new ones. You know what I mean? I'm old. Like, I don't care. I, I, I mean, I love people. And, and that, because I don't care, I'm, I'm actually able to love people more because I don't care. And the second thing is this. It hasn't been normal to speak tongues since the very get-go. All right, that's not, that's not like a 21st century thing. That's not the last hundred year thing. Or all, all of a sudden, wait, we liked that yesterday, but now it's weird. From the very onset, from the very beginning, the power of the Holy Spirit has confused the world to the point where, yeah, they, they mocked it. They probably still do today. But let me ask you this. Are you willing to sacrifice the power of the Holy Spirit to not get mocked by the world? That's really a lot of what it boils down to. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2. Let's go back to the beginning where it all happened with the disciples. Let's go back to Pentecost. Starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And there's a lot of them that I'm not going to try and read. Skipping down to verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. And so they had, too, had, had too much wine. So they're mocking them, calling them drunk from the very beginning. And, and I want to point that out specifically because it didn't stop the disciples. It didn't stop Paul. Will it stop you? you? Say, James, I hear what you're saying all that, but I still just don't quite get it. You know what? Join the club. Neither do I. 
But I can say this. I would not be where I am today without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I literally would not be where I am today. Like where I'm standing in this very moment, every single Sunday, without the power of the Holy Spirit. I would just come up here and go, oh, you ever heard of Noah? <sighs> That's all I got, you know. I hear myself on Sundays going, who is that guy? Because when I go home, you know what I want to do? I just want to watch golf and chill. Like, that's, that's it. But when, when God moves, and look, this is, I, I, please, this is not about me. This is about all of us. When we step into that place and the power of the Holy Spirit starts moving in and through you, you are going to say, who is that person? Who is that? That's not me. And you know what? It's not. It's the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have our band come back up. Let's stand this morning. And things are a little different, but we're going to trust in the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen? Amen. We're, we're not having altar calls right now like we normally do. We can come and lay hands on you. Let's stand up. Come on. <laughs> but I want to take a few minutes as we close this series out. My hope in this, these last few weeks is that you have been empowered that you have been reminded of who you are as a child of God. You have been reminded of who God is and also how the enemy operates and who the enemy is. And it all comes down to this, igniting for some of us who have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit to reignite that flame and start letting the power of the Holy Spirit move in us. And for those that are watching online, and for those that are in this room who have yet to receive the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. As the band begins to play, we're going to give you that chance. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how we're going to do it because we're not going to have an altar call. But God is not subject to altar calls. All right? He is not subject to us having to come up. If you want it, that gift is there. If you want it, it is for you. And it is a good gift that God has promised all you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is say, God, I want it. And, and, and open your mouth and begin to speak. Okay, don't, look, if you just sit here and open your mouth, like, it's, it's not a demon in you that's just going to start wagging your tongue, okay? Start making the noise. Start believing in that. And remember, it's not going to feel very normal at first. It might feel a little different. But I would hope that the Holy Spirit moving in me is a lot different than what I've ever experienced before. Amen. I hope that it doesn't feel like me. And I want to say this too. If you have any more questions, look, this is, a, this is a big topic. This is a big study. It's a big deal. If you have any questions about this, find a pastor. Ask us. Call the church office. Email us. Keep asking questions. Don't, don't just throw it out because you didn't get it today. Start studying it for yourself. But please, don't just hear what I say this morning and say, eh, no thanks. Challenge me on it. Challenge all the pastors. Challenge the church. Challenge God and what he has to say about himself. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God. So he's talking about himself here. But I want to leave you with this little nugget. 
the power of the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues and singing in the Spirit was as important to Paul who wrote most of the New Testament who we study almost week in and week out who was an evangelist who reached the ends of the earth if it was good enough for him if it was good enough for Peter who walked with Jesus walked on water died as a martyr for Jesus was the very rock of this new church that we are a part of today. If it was as important to Jesus, the Son of God, who laid down his life for us, nailed to a cross, and rose again so that we could go to heaven. If, if the Holy Spirit was that important to them, shouldn't it be for us? Shouldn't it be for us? It's everything. But like I said, you want to really know the power? Take that step of faith. Take that step of faith and receive it this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're watching online, I just encourage you to do the same. Just bow with me this morning. Father, we love you. God, we thank you that your miracle didn't stop on the cross. God, you have sent the helper, the counselor. You have sent the Holy Spirit to be not just with us, but in us, moving through us, being that voice, God, that directs us. But God, you've given us this prayer language to pray when we don't have the words. God, it's a pure prayer language. It's your words. God, I, I pray right now for those that have not yet received your Holy Spirit. God, that you would come upon them as their heart desires, Lord, to receive the Holy Spirit. Right now, Jesus, I pray that you would come upon them, that you would pour out your Spirit on them, those that are in their homes, those that are in your house right now, here. God, pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit, Father, on those that need you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, move, Father. Let your fire fall, Lord God, on those, God, that we received it, God. Fan the flame of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, oh God. Fan the flame, Jesus of your Holy Spirit to move, God, to move in us, Jesus. Empower us, Father, to do things that we never would have believed, God. Lord, the miracle doesn't end at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Move, oh God. Move.